This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with Get Connected. Mike Hagerbo here in studio. I've got uh, fellow nerd John Beeler with me. We have an awesome program today. In a little while, uh, we will be uh, talking uh, about the Ring video doorbells. And uh, for a lot of people out there that have them, uh, down in the U.S., they actually have a neighbor's app that uh, allows you to share your video with the community. It's an opt-in thing, obviously. Uh, And also a lot of law enforcement agencies have signed up with it as well. So the law enforcement agencies, if they have some crime going on in your area, they can request to get video footage from you, which I think is kind of cool. Well, it also opens up a whole bunch of privacy concerns, as you can imagine. Of course. I mean, there are video doorbells everywhere now and also all these cheap surveillance cameras. So what does that mean to us as a society? Like, you're just walking down the street and you're literally hitting 20 cameras within a block. Uh, and, you know, what happens with the data that goes to the big companies? Well, we'll be exploring that with Kristen Thomason. She is a University of Windsor law professor and privacy expert. So this really interesting conversation. We'll also be talking about a phonus update. We've talked about this a few times on the program. Basically, a SIM card you can buy for 25 bucks, And then for $30 US a month, Let's say, what is that, about 40 bucks? Oh, 40 bucks, yeah. Canadian. You get unlimited talk, text, and data around the world, including in Canada. No roaming. No roaming. Too good to be true? Well, we'll find out. Uh, John, uh, this week, uh, I guess, was kind of the end of the big uh, data deals from uh, the telecoms. Telus opened it up uh, a little while ago, offering 20 gigabytes of data for $75, which is pretty huge like for the past few years most people have been getting by with like one or two gigabytes of data that's right and you what was your plan at Uh, so i had a loyalty plan i migrated from public mobile to kudo it was 40 dollars a month and i had six gigs of data that's pretty that's pretty good it's pretty good yeah but because i commute into the studio every day yeah i was actually finding i was hitting pretty much the limit yeah, you're um, on the train watching videos and things. Whatever, yeah. 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 And um, so I would always hit the limit about, about a week before my reset date. Yeah. And so I was l- just waiting to be offered something good at Kudo uh, to actually give me more data yeah. without it costing me my firstborn. Okay. And so then when Telus started this ball rolling, quickly all the other providers started offering a similar deal. And I just happened to be at Richmond Center on the Chinese New Year weekend, and I stumbled across a kiosk where they actually had a crazy deal where it was $65 a month for 20 gigs. It was their peace of mind TELUS plan. Yeah. Um, and That th- sounds better than 75. It does. Yeah. But there's a little asterisk. <laughs> That's if you're already a TELUS customer with the internet and TV. Got it. It's the bundle deal, right? Yeah. So. I think that kiosk did a really good job that weekend because I know a number of the mobile uh, outlets picked up the story. Not mine necessarily, although mine certainly got a lot of comments when I posted on my social media uh, about it. But it's just clever marketing because uh, it's still $75 for 20 gigs, but you get $10 off if you have a TELUS bundle. Yeah. Um, so it's great. And the nice thing, though, is I actually tried to migrate my Kudo plan to TELUS online. And to do that, you actually have to order a SIM but I had a physical SIM in my hand that hadn't been activated that my girlfriend had. Ah. But it would not be complete the transaction online because they couldn't port my number from Kudo. There was a 
system problem or something like that. I don't know what it was. I go to this kiosk in the mall. The guy does it in like under five minutes and he gave me a hundred dollar credit, which is basically what I would have gotten if I did it online. Cause you always save the connection fees and they usually offer some kind of bonus for doing it online. So yeah. if you want to save some money, definitely do everything online. If you can don't call, do it online. Yeah. But I'm a happy camper now. I got 20 gigs of data and it, you know, it, it throttled after that, but I can easily do 10 and not even think about it. And I can now tether my laptop and all that kind of Bob's stuff. Bob's your uncle. That's right. And now, now you got 20 gigs. I do. So now we have to figure out what we do about roaming, which is what we're going to talk about later with Phonus. When we come back from the break, we will be talking about Ring Video Doorbells. If you've got one, or if you just live in a neighborhood, they're everywhere <laughs> and they're watching you. We'll tell you about the privacy implications. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Eggerbo here with John Beeler. Still lots to talk about in today's program. Later on, we will uh, be chatting about Huawei. The UK has uh, allowed them uh, to continue working with their telecom networks. And we'll uh, be talking with our friend Shruti Shikhar about what that might mean for Canada. And uh, we'll be giving an update on Phonus. This is this uh, crazy uh, telecom company that was offering $30 U.S. unlimited talk text data around the world with no roaming, like in every country. And who, who wouldn't want that? Exactly. Well, we uh, ordered some, and we'll uh, give you an update on what's happening with uh, all of that. I want to talk now about security, and uh, you know, technology has really helped in that regard uh, in many ways. You know, back in the day, uh, you know, we had like little alarm panels in our homes uh, with a few door sensors and motion sensors. Now we have all kinds of cameras happening in our homes. Uh, Everything from uh, video doorbells to inside outside cameras, they become so inexpensive and so easy to set up. We're just seeing them in uh, so many uh, houses uh, and uh, apartments now. But is there a privacy issue? Uh, Well, uh, this past uh, week, uh, CBC had a story about uh, the mayor of Windsor, Ontario, uh, basically saying that he would perhaps want to partner with Amazon and their division Ring that make the Ring video doorbells uh, to help with, uh, I guess, uh, monitoring or surveillance. We have a really uh, great guest on the line with us to uh, get a, a counter viewpoint uh, to, <laughs> to that. Her name is uh, Kristen Thomason. She is a University of Windsor law professor and privacy expert. Thanks for joining us, Kristen. Hi, thanks for having me on. So Kristen, I have to come out and say right off the bat, I have a Ring video doorbell and I've got the Ring cameras around my house and I freaking love it (laughs) because I get my car uh, broken into uh, a lot over the past few years, I mean, right in my driveway. And now I can actually get alerted and uh, I even have video footage of that that I can you know show police so that perhaps they might (laughs) do something. Uh, But you know, from what I understand, you are, you might be concerned about uh, kind of expanding the sharing of this uh, this video and this information. Mm-hmm, exactly. I I understand the convenience benefits that are associated with a ring camera or other kinds of home surveillance devices as well, like ones that are just um, home operated, not affiliated with a large company. Uh, and and so it's understandable that those. Um, ideas are sort of pushing forward this conversation on whether or not to expand ring partnerships into cities in Canada, including Windsor. My concerns, well, I've got a few concerns, but uh, some of them relate to how the ring camera 
and especially through these partnerships with police departments, is able to avoid some of the legal frameworks that we have in place to protect privacy right now. And then also the bigger concern with the establishment of, of a, a stronger surveillance infrastructure. What I mean by that is just more public surveillance. Um, and in this case, public surveillance that's not just operated by you know the police or by private individuals, but is both of those plus a large corporation in the United States that has other reasons for collecting that information and data as well. So just to add some more context to this, and we've talked about this on the program, Ring down in the U.S., they have a neighbor's app that you can uh, mm-hmm. basically download and subscribe to. They've made partnerships, I believe, with about 400 law enforcement agencies down there. But this app basically allows you, if you've got you know the Ring system in your home, to share videos with other Ring members in your community. And I guess law enforcement would even have access to that. That's right. And law enforcement are able to make requests to individuals who use the Ring camera to uh, ask for video footage or, you know, at a given time um, or from a given day to be passed along to them. And that's made easier to do using the Ring, or sorry, using the Neighbors app. So, like Mike, I also have a Ring video doorbell. <laughs> and I we're, don't, we're spying on all of our neighbors. Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't have a problem with that because... I live in a in a townhouse complex and we have cars that get broken into all the time and a few of us have ring doorbells. Unfortunately, I don't I have yet to actually catch anybody uh trying to get into my car. Um but maybe because they see the ring video doorbell, they just keep going down the down the road. But to uh, I really struggle with the the giving up the privacy aspect versus the benefits of having this uh, protection there, you know, and you see people sometimes even have those, you know, those fake cameras just as a deterrent, right? And um, if it's not pointing into your house or into your bathroom or somewhere like that, I don't really have a problem with it on my street. But then I'm also not on the other side of my camera on the other side of the right. complex. So I get it, but I kind of don't. <laughs> so, so that you, you know, you've raised a couple of really important points there. So um, with the with any kind of camera that's pointing out onto you know a public space or out onto the sidewalks, the the fact of the matter is that the individuals who walk by that camera don't necessarily have the opportunity to consent to that video collection um, or to consent to the ways in which that information is used. Now, if you're running uh, you know your own personal home surveillance system, and I'd encourage anyone who is to to look at research on whether and how effective that is as well at actually deterring crime. But the, the reality with that is that it's kept in sort of a limited stored um, uh, setting. But the ring camera is collecting that information and it, it is very much advertised and, and um, promoted as, you know, the homeowner has control over the information collected by the camera. And it, it's, you know, it's your uh, decision whether or not to share that information in some way or not. But the reality is it's also being collected by Amazon and is being used for other reasons, or could be used for other reasons as well, including, um, and this has been revealed through leaked documents as well as, um, you know, public statements, but including potentially facilitating the development of facial recognition software and other kinds of, of surveillance techniques or technologies. And then you layer into that as well, that it makes it easier for law enforcement to collect the video footage. Um, and, it, you know, it's one thing if you have your own camera and something's happened and you provide footage to police officers 
But what's really concerning me and, and my co-organizers who organized an event here in Windsor um, to have a bigger conversation about the ring is the entering into a partnership with Amazon and the police, uh, local police enforcement agencies so that there are incentives to promote the distribution of ring, uh, to provide free ring cameras, to, to basically set up a greater infrastructure that is not clearly regulated by the regulations, the laws that we have in Canada that deal with corporate collection of information and is not necessarily clearly regulated by the laws we have in Canada that deal with law enforcement collection of information because it ends up being private individuals who collect the information and then share it through that system. So, you know, the, the thing that really concerns us who, who organize the event here is that there isn't even a conversation about that and the ways that the technology is actually able to sort of circumvent some of the legal protections that we expect that we might have in Canada, um, in particular through these partnerships and through these, these bigger arrangements um, to distribute the, the technology or the devices throughout uh, you know, a particular region like the city of Windsor, for example. The the other thing that concerns me, and uh, f- more on your side of the fence for this, is the fact that the these cameras are not you know hardened, secure devices. They have a, a good track record of being hacked or exploited, either through poor password choices. No. By- <laughs> by the end users or by you know leaky databases on the part of Ring and, and other companies that are participating in this as well because it's not being treated as a uh, as an important of a device I think as as what uh, you're trying to uh, uh, put forward but also the fact that you know if if a government put together a security system it would not be this consumer tech it would be something much hopefully much more uh, secure and, and safer uh, versus just this kind of slap together technology, you know, because a lot of this stuff is pretty much off the shelf stuff and it's just the software that they keep improving really. Exactly. And the accountability and, and transparency um, structures that we have in place. So like the laws that require accountability and transparency from the government don't apply in the same way when we're talking about a private company providing the technology. And so, so we, you know, we lose some of the protections that I think, you know, we, we might feel that we should have because they would exist otherwise, but we lose some of them in the way that the, this system is set up and structured, or at least we, we may lose them. There's a risk that we're going to lose them. And, and it's really important to have that conversation before um, agreeing to the implementation of sort of the widespread installation of, of this surveillance technology in particular, but like you said, there have been a bunch of instances of, of hacking of ring cameras. There was a, a really sort of sensational example not long ago where somebody hacked into, somebody had the indoor uh, ring system as well and had a video camera in their child's room and somebody, a hacker hacked into it and started having a conversation with the child and telling the this young girl that he was Santa Claus. Um, so there's some really you know sensational and terrifying examples of that. But also there was recently an investigative report showing that Amazon had been passing on the information collected by ring cameras to other entities. So that could be, you know, other commercial entities that want to sell you stuff and they can see which way you're walking and so they can target a, an advertisement to you. Um, or it could be used for all kinds of other sort of, uh, you know, commercial incentive-driven surveillance and observation of your routines and your habits and what you like to do and where you go. So there are definitely privacy concerns for the people behind the camera, 
And then, like we talked about earlier, there are privacy concerns for the people who are being caught by the camera who don't have the opportunity to opt into being filmed in that way and, and the ways in which that footage might be used. We're talking with Kristen Thomason. She is a University of Windsor law professor and privacy expert all about uh, the Ring video cameras. And that's just one brand. There's literally dozens out there. But uh, why we're talking about this is that uh, the city of Windsor is potentially looking at a partnership with Ring to roll out uh, more of a a surveillance uh, system uh, with uh, homeowners, Ring video doorbells and Ring cameras. Is there anything uh, we can do to uh, get this conversation going? Obviously, you're one voice, but you probably need more voices. Yeah, I mean, I think things like this conversation uh, are really important. Just getting the word out there that this is happening and that there are more concerns around the uh, adoption of the ring camera than it might seem just on its face. Like, oh, it's just a, you know, the fancy doorbell. But then when we start to dig into some of the, the legal considerations and the social considerations around that, we can start to see how it's so much more than that. And, and having that conversation before any municipality in Canada agrees to enter into the ring partnership, I think is absolutely crucial. Um, I've been really uh, encouraged to see what a a great conversation we've really started having here in Windsor and, um, you know, following from things like the CBC news article and a public uh, conversation that me and some co-organizers hosted last week. And so I think continuing that uh, discussion is absolutely crucial. Well, I want to thank you uh, for joining us today, Kristen. Thank you very much for having me. Kristen Thomason from the University of Windsor. She's a law professor there and a privacy expert. When we come back from the break, $30 US a month for unlimited everything, talk, text, and data around the world. Is it too good to be true? Well, we'll uh, get into that and uh, tell you about our experience back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Don't forget to hit our contest page on our website. So we have an awesome contest uh, going on for the next few weeks. GetConnectedMedia.com and hit the newsletter tab. If you subscribe to our newsletter, you automatically get entered in not only for this contest, but all the contests going forward. And what are we giving away, John? We're giving away a pair of Bluetooth headphones from Dynamic. These are the copper ones. These are really high end. These are huge cans for your ears. And it's about $1,000 Canadian. So very premium set of headphones in a nice case, USB-C charging, Bluetooth, the whole works. How much are these worth? $1,000. $1,000. Yeah. That is awesome. Again, getconnectedmedia.com. I want to talk now about Phonos. Uh, spelt uh, F-O-N-U-S. This is a company out of California, actually founded by a Canadian, that uh, is coming out, or trying to come out, with a uh, telecommunication plan that works around the world. You buy the SIM for 25 bucks, and it will work in pretty well most countries, and for about $40 Canadian a month, unlimited talk, text, and data, no roaming charges. It sounds too good to be true. It does. So this was uh, something announced back last year. We were pretty excited about it because, uh, you know, we've, we kind of know the guy. He's, you know, got a track record. Uh, and, you know, we were hoping he can put this together because it sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, and you guys ordered some SIM cards. Yeah, a number of us uh, on the show actually bought our SIM cards. Uh, we Normally, as a media outlet, we can ask for media samples and things like that. And we did that as well. But 
from a personal standpoint, a few of us thought it'd be worth trying uh, and taking one for the team and spending that 30 bucks for the uh, SIM card and stuff. Shortly after uh, we bought our SIM cards, and I think it's right after we talked about it on the show and we actually had Simon uh, Tian, the CEO on the show, he announced on Reddit that the first 500 uh, purchasers of these SIM cards were going to get free service for life. Yeah. And you guys were dancing around me. Hey, we got free service for life. And I'm like, where's the SIM card? <laughs> well, yeah. And so we're, so were we. And so were a lot of people on Reddit and Twitter and everywhere else. Uh, because it does sound too good to be true. And no one's been able to do this. This is a really challenging market to get into because we have, you know, the three big players here and all their little sub brands. And just like we talked earlier, whenever somebody comes up with a deal, the other companies automatically match it yes because no one wants to be left behind and so this has been going up and down on uh reddit this has been going up and down on redflagdeals.com a number of these online places that uh track deals and especially mobile deals and there's been uh some pretty heated discussions uh a lot of people wanting their money back because they it's been too long in some cases they feel like you know i think it was towards the end of november when we actually uh ordered the cards and um you know simon was pretty transparent on reddit and very communicative on in commenting on all of the questions and concerns he had his email on there he had some problems with some uh let's just say some aggressive customers that wanted their money back or wanted their sim card uh, they just weren't willing to wait. Um, Simon has some challenges with travel and some death threats and all kinds of crazy stuff that was happening around uh, that type of stuff. Some, some idiots are really per- obsessed. Obsessed, yes. Yeah. Um, we've also heard some stories too uh, from uh, some of his customers that have sent us com- comments and messages saying, you know, I was the guy that uh, was doxxed by Simon. Uh, doxxed, what does that mean? So it means basically your personal information was shared on the internet. Uh, and So he's alleging that Simon just put his personal information out there. That's right. And um, there's all kinds of comments about this. We literally tweeted out about Phonus the other day and we got sort of sucked into this giant tweet storm of all these disgruntled customers that haven't got their SIM cards yet or yeah. whatever. Um, and we've, we've since reached out to Simon as well and we've talked to Simon and he has said that our SIM cards are en route. Did he give any reason for the delay? Um, there's been a number of reasons. And again, yeah. you know, is it an excuse? Is it legitimate? That's not for me to decide. I'm yeah. not there. Uh, we can only go on what Simon's told us personally and also what we've seen online. Uh, it sounds like there's been a number of challenges getting uh, SIM cards uh, as well as getting these these deals set up with all these different companies acro- around the world. And there's been some uh, uh, little questionable activity about the fact that the few people that have gotten SIM cards, uh, they're not phone SIM cards. They're AT&T plans or something like that. But it's just a, a, as a proof of concept, I guess, from Simon to show that this is the service you're going to get. Yes. Um, and that's what we're expecting as well. As we, and we've been told we're going to get an AT&T uh, plan because the deal hasn't been done in Canada yet. Okay. Um, so I feel sorry for him because Canada is probably the hardest country to do a right, deal with. Right, because we're in the dark ages when it comes to mobile technology. Yeah. So, um, so. The update really here is that you know we've we've been in touch with Simon literally on the phone with a voice call uh, this week. Uh, our SIM cards are coming the moment they arrive. 
you're going to know about it. We're going to tweet about it. We're going to put it on our Facebook. We're going to do an unboxing video and first boot up of the Phonus Sim when we do get it. Uh, so stay tuned for that. So you're optimistic that it's going to come. Well, we can again, we can only go by his intentions and what he's told us. And I think if he's going to screw us over, <laughs> then no one has a chance. No. So, uh, but, but I mean, this is a pretty big undertaking because I don't know of any other service like this out there that offers so much for so little and again it's a sim card for 40 bucks canadian roughly a month unlimited data text and talk around the world right which sounds like a dream come true um but you know for those people that are doing death threats to him right you know what did they what what are they out 25 bucks right for the sim card oh i know it's it's, and if it's on your visa you can get that money back if well and he's actually been yeah uh, refunding people yeah and they have a process for that too so so it's not like a thousand dollars or some plan they've been locked into or you know some pyramid scheme yeah. where you're you're out your life so savings chill down a bit yeah <laughs> to, the, to the listeners out there that have bought it but yeah i think uh obviously communication's a, a key thing when you're launching any type of business yeah. and you know stuff happens i know like i've yeah. started a number of them and things don't always go how you think they're going to go, and especially on a, a thing of this size. But that being said, uh, you know we are going to keep uh, updating uh, the listeners and our online following on this as we get more Absolutely. info. Absolutely, yeah. So you're optimistic. I have to be. Yes. Because <laughs> you got nothing to lose, really. Right, yeah. right. You know, and the thing is... If you get your ice cream, you're happy. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. The thing is, this is, like you said, a giant undertaking. Yeah. Um, and it's something that... I'm not convinced a big company could actually do because it is so big. And those big companies are like trying to turn the Titanic. Yes. Whereas Simon's a younger guy, you know, he's a disruptive startup. Yeah. You know, and he doesn't have all the baggage. Right. Uh, And so, and he spends an inordinate amount of time on Reddit sort of answering questions and defending and all that kind of stuff too, while trying to set up this business. So he's not like gone MIA. No, no, he's not on some uh, Island, you know, in the South Pacific with all of our SIM cards. Okay, when we come back from the break here on Get Connected, uh, we're going to be talking Huawei. Uh, They've been in the news a lot over the past year, uh, obviously because of the whole uh, U.S. trade war. Uh, A lot of uh, countries, governments are concerned about Huawei's 5G infrastructure and network technology, spying on them. Uh, The U.K. has uh, announced this week that they are moving forward on letting Huawei take part in some of their 5G network uh, technology. So we're going to be talking with Shruti Shikhar all about that. She's an expert uh, on Huawei, on what that means for Canada, and maybe we can see if she'll predict what will happen here. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We uh, are going to talk Huawei now. It looks like the UK is uh, allowing Huawei uh, into their 5G infrastructure. I want to know what that means for not only the UK, but of course, Canada. We still have to make a uh, decision uh, over here. And uh, what do the Americans think of this? Uh, to help us understand, we've got Shruti Shikhar. She's with Yahoo Finance Canada. And uh, we always call her when we have uh, Huawei stories we want to talk about. How you doing, Shruti? Good. How are you? How did you become the Huawei expert? <laughs> I, I, I have. It's yeah. true. I, I get called a lot from multiple uh, news outlets to kind of break this down. I don't know how that happened, but I guess well, I guess it is. Well, we're it glad, is what it is. Yeah, we're glad we have you. Uh, so this was a recent decision from the UK government. Uh, 
from what I understand, uh, they're going to allow Huawei and other types of those companies uh, uh, to, I guess, build 35% of their network uh, infrastructure. Is that correct? Yeah, so it wouldn't, it, it, it's a two-parter kind of decision. Uh, the, the first is that uh, that Huawei will not be banned, um, but will only be used in specific parts of the infrastructure. And so that first part is that Huawei will not be allowed in the core of the infrastructure uh, for a telecom company. And that's usually where the most sensitive information um, sits. Uh, it, so Huawei will not be allowed to operate its infrastructure in there, and then it will be allowed in the external uh, part. So the way I like to explain that to people is when you're driving on the streets or on the roads, you see all these big towers. Those are like the edge equipment or the, the external equipment, and Huawei will only be uh, allowed into those areas 35% of it. I also understand they will be excluded from uh, uh, supplying equipment uh, near military bases and, and nuclear sites. Uh, yes, that, that's correct, yes. Uh, how, how do you think this will affect their overall business? Is this a big deal? Are they missing out on a big chunk of business? No, I mean, I think, I mean, I, I have a feeling that for Huawei, um, this was sort of a decision that was uh, coming in the lead up to the news of Huawei and the UK particularly, there was a lot of uh, this news around the fact that it wouldn't get banned. And I think that was something that Huawei knew was going to happen. And we have to remember that Huawei actually functions in like, I think it's 170 countries around the world or something like that. I mean, they're in almost every country you can think of. And so um, this, it's not that this is going to affect them incrementally. I mean, they have so much business elsewhere that even if they did get banned, they would they would have been fine. But, you know, in this circumstance, they didn't get banned. And so they, they, they're still an, an advantage for them. How do the Americans feel about this? I mean, I think uh, it's definitely concerning for them because, you know, the U.S. has been um, lobbying against Huawei for quite some time, uh, basically alleging that the company uh, works as a spy on behalf of the Chinese government, uses uh, backdoors on its equipment uh, so that it can spy on citizens and return that information to the government. So, you know, for a while, the U.S. has been lobbying other countries, being like, you know, you should follow us, follow suit, this is wrong, they shouldn't be doing this. Um, I think the U.S. has other concerns on its plate right now, which is why um, I haven't even seen a proper response from the U.S. when it comes to U.K., or maybe I missed it. Uh, but, I, I mean, I think, you know, it's, it is what it is. Well, it's interesting. Uh, the European Union has also unveiled uh, security guidelines for the next generation high-speed wireless networks that uh, also stop short of banning Huawei. Uh, there was a quote from Tom Cotton, a member of the Senate Intelligence Committee uh, in the U.S., uh, saying, allowing Huawei to build U.K.'s 5G networks today is like allowing the KGB to build its telephone network during the Cold War. I mean, that's a pretty aggressive yeah. uh, point of view. I mean, I, I, I definitely agree it is. Um, you know, countries, I, and you know, this is a conversation that I've been having with many people for quite some time, and not just specifically with Huawei, but just with cybersecurity in general. We've come at, uh, to a point in our um, infrastructure with, with technology and the growth of technology that it's, it's very easy for companies or for illicit people to, to try and hack you. And so 
I and especially with 5G, when one, we don't really know entirely the capabilities of 5G uh, and how powerful it can be to hack someone if, if that is the case, if everything is so vulnerable. Um, but two, I mean, you know, how do we protect ourselves? How can we make it easy? And so I think when countries say these kind of statements, I think they're saying it out of precaution because they don't themselves know where this technology can go. And they're basing it off of what they've kind of seen with the practices that China has had in the past with human rights violations, uh, with the way the government is with technology companies in general. So I think, I think like it is very shocking for countries to speak like this, but at the same time, I can understand why countries would be speaking like this. We've got one minute left, Shruti. Uh, what do you think uh, this bodes for Canada now? Do you think they'll probably go along the, the lines of the UK? Looks like the pressure is a little bit off. I mean, to be very honest, I have no idea. I'm seeing analysts, like equity analysts, suggesting that this will be the path that Canada will also be taking and it'll be easy for them. And then I'm also hearing that it's going to be a political decision and they're going to ban uh, the, the company all right. So I, I honestly don't know. Let's just remember that Huawei has been in Canada since 2008 and they've had a very similar rule with 4G LTE. So they're not allowed to be in the core of any company, but they're allowed to be in the edge equipment of, of, of the company. So, you know, that is why TELUS is able to use Huawei. That is why Bell is able to use Huawei. Uh, so whether or not that's the same thing that will happen with 5G, that's something we'll find out. The industry minister and the, the um, public safety minister have both said that, you know, we're keeping a close eye on what's happening. Let's hope the decision comes out soon. <laughs> Thanks, Shruti. That was Shruti Shakar from Yahoo Finance Canada. We've uh, still got a lot more to talk about here on Get Connected. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. want to mention the contest one more time. We uh, are doing tons of great contests uh, this year. And all you have to do to enter to win is visit our site, getconnectedmedia.com. If you subscribe to our RE newsletter, you're entered, not just for this contest, but for all of them. So literally thousands of dollars worth of prizes. This this week, John, what do we got? This this month, we actually have the Barodynamic Amaron Wireless Copper. These are premium Bluetooth wireless headphones. It comes in this really nice case. If you're watching the video podcast, you can see what this actually looks like. And they are fancy as you can imagine. $1,000. These cost $1,000 in Canada. They're like gold. They feel, well, they're not gold. but They feel amazing. Yeah. yeah. So you will win these actual headphones. Very cool. It's so simple. Again, uh, we encourage you to check it out on our website, getconnectedmedia.com. We've got all sorts of great blogs and videos and how-tos up there uh, as well. And uh, we have our podcast, not only the audio, but the video podcast. Don't forget to check out the app show tomorrow here on the Chorus Radio Network as well on CKW 980. This is Mike, John, and the rest of the team, Stephen, Graham, Christina, and AJ signing off. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.